0: Hello and welcome to The Healing Place. On today's episode, um, I figure, you know, in my podcast, I oftentimes I talk about my journey and what that looks like. But I think in order for my listeners to be able to understand what their journey looks like, that we have to have a few more instances or, or other stories that we can relate to. Because, well, some people may be able to relate to my story, but then again, maybe not. So to hear the perspective of others, um, I think it really adds more validity to what you're experiencing, what you've gone through, the recovery, the whole bit. And so today I have the pleasure of having one of my friends who I just, I absolutely love her. And we've been friends for a few years. And funny story is we actually met on Facebook and we've become this, these great friends. And there's like a whole group of us. We all have just, We've bonded in ways that I never even expected to bond with people that I've never met. And so um, she knew that I was embarking on this journey of creating my own podcast and what that looks like and my trauma and et cetera, et cetera. And, you know, she shared some things with me that I was not privy to. And then it just goes to show you that you just never should judge a book by its cover. And just because people on the outside look like they have their shit together sometimes, I mean, we struggle. I mean, I'm definitely one person to say that I have my moments when I need to go regroup, recalibrate, do whatever it is. So with that being said, uh, my friend Gigi has joined us on today's episode, and I just wanted to give her the stage and give her this safe, sacred space where she can share her story. And, you know, with hopes that she heals along the way. And more importantly, that Somebody else out there listening can heal from hearing her words and my words because then it makes you feel like that this little small island that you've put yourself on, it's not that small anymore. There's so many more people out there. So without further ado, I want to introduce my friend Gigi and I'm gonna let her tell her story and that we're all in the process of listening and being in this moment that we're all healing and i apologize ahead of time if you hear a lot of background noise i've got the window open it's beautiful here and the wind is blowing and i just i love having that little bit of nature in my environment so without further ado i introduce you to my friend Gigi.
1: hello, hello. Love. hi how are you love Thank you so much for taking the time and allowing me to come on your podcast to talk a little bit about my life. I want to say thank you first off for starting this podcast because I shared it on my page and I've had a few of my friends reach out to me and said that they appreciate the fact that you were so open and honest about your life because they went through the same types of things. And after I listened to your podcast, I said, well, if they benefited from her and they don't know who she is, Maybe if I tell my story, it might help them even more. So I appreciate you letting me have the opportunity to just kind of, I guess, tell it, tell all.
0: I appreciate you for entrusting in me that safe space that you can come and you can talk about what your experience has been. I mean, that's an honor to me that I have reached someone beyond myself that says, you know, if. She can tell her story. So can I, because I know that there's so many other stories out there that we have yet to hear. And so I am so completely appreciative of you and just wanting to come here. Um, So, you know, so let's just jump into this, this conversation. So, you know, we had some couple of, a couple of, you know, background conversations leading up to where we are today. Mm -hmm. And so my first question to you is what is your intention? So, you know, oftentimes I look for guidance in other people. And, and so, you know, this question was a great question that Oprah, she, she has used over the years. And, you know, a quote that she said, she said, years ago, I learned that your intention determines the outcome of everything you do. And so, you know, I know what your intention is by wanting to you know i want you to tell me in your own words what your intention is by having this discussion and more importantly what you hope to accomplish beyond this discussion
1: well mine is twofold um one it's a release for me because i have not you've you've gone and spoken to someone a professional i have not yet but i have reached out to my friends and my family my very close friends and family, and I've used them instead of actually going and talking to someone. And it's helped me because they've helped me by letting me know that I'm not alone in this. It's it It shocked me to know how many women in my life who I thought had their stuff together the same way you looked at me, I looked at them, and I didn't realize how broken they were. And so talking to them, allowed me, and, and when I say my close friends and family, I mean two other people. And they don't know everything that I'm about to tell you today. They only know bits and pieces of what I was comfortable enough telling them. So for this one, it's a release for me. Uh, on the other hand, it is also a way, because I'm gonna share this with my friends, which which is a big step for me, um, but hopefully it'll reach. I'll be able to reach more of these women and they'll be able to be open enough or have the courage to go and speak to someone else about it, even if it's not a professional, if they go and talk to someone they're really close to. So I'm hoping that my story will help someone else.
0: Thank you for bringing that to light, because, I mean, therapy looks different to every single person. Um, To me, you know, I felt like I didn't have a safe space in terms of friends that I could go and share my story to, and they be accepting of it, and more importantly, just being um, people that I could rely on. So, you know, I think in the grand scheme of things, yeah, I had no choice, but to seek out like professional therapy and with, and I, and I also want to make sure that I bring to light to my listeners that here in this community, we don't provide medical advice. We do share our stories and tips of what we've used to help us cope when life got a little rough words of encouragement and hopefully hearing someone else's story, um, will help you on your healing journey. So we're by no means are providing professional guidance. My process and my, my thought process behind creating this, this place that anyone can come to is just being able to get that process start because half the battle of dealing with things that has really affected us in our life in some fashion or another is just being able to talk about it. And once you get- Taking that first step. Absolutely. That's the first step. You have to take that first step and just making sure that you find your own safe space to be able to say, OK, I'm acknowledging what happened and I'm ready to get rid of the, the stress of having this on my head. Um, So I'm just going to put it back on you. I'm just going to let you have this space where I'm going to let you talk. I'm going to listen because I think it's important that when we're all on these healing journeys is that we develop a a safe space where somebody can just listen to us because most of the time that's what we really need. It's just to be heard. So I'm going to be quiet for a while and I'm going to let you tell your story the best way you know how, and let me know if there's ever um, a time where you need to stop or whatever. I I want you to know that I'm here for you and solely you And this right now. This is your time And I want to give it to you in every fashion that I can. So without further ado, honey.
1: Okay. Um, Well, my name is Gigi. I am a professional career firefighter. I'm a single mother of two boys. I was divorced. Um, I am divorced. That was from the reason being a domestic violence situation, which I had to leave in order to protect myself and my kids. So I guess where, where should we start? Because there's so much. So where would you like me to start from the beginning, from the very first issue, from, I guess, the instance of trauma?
0: I guess, you know, it's, I want to put this back on you. I want you to feel like whatever you are ready to unpack, let's unpack it. Okay.
1: Um, the very first time that I remember being molested, um, I was two years old. And it lasted until I was about six or seven, something like that. And um, it was a family member. It was my cousin. And it happened on a regular. Um, my grandmother raised me, which is another long story, because a few years ago, I found out that my grandmother is not really my grandmother. And no one in my family is even uh, blood-related, except for my brother. So At the age of six or seven, when I went to school, that's where I learned about sex. No one talked about it in our home. It was a taboo because I was raised in a devout Catholic family. And so things like that, no one discussed because you didn't have sex until you were married. So when my friends were talking about it um, at school and they made me understand what it was and that what was happening to me wasn't normal once that clicked for me. I told my cousin right then and there, I pulled the knife out at six or seven years old, little girl. And I told him, if you ever touch me again, I will kill you. And I meant it. But in that time period, I was so angry. Like a little kid should not be that angry. And now looking back on it, I wish that someone had seen the sign. Like, I, 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 as I got older, I started, you know, and, and in my profession, I've seen the same thing happen to other little kids is what I went through. And so I can recognize most of the signs now whenever I see them, but I, I really needed at that time someone to see me drowning, because from that age on, I stayed in trouble. I I took it out because I was so angry. I didn't trust anyone. Um, I was fighting every day, getting kicked out of school, getting expelled in middle school and elementary. Like what, how, what kid and how come no one saw that? So I was angry at everybody, all of my family members, but I couldn't tell them. How could you tell a devout Catholic grandmother that her other grandson that she adores and they adored him? He was the golden child of the family. He could do no wrong. How do you tell them that, they're, that he is molesting you? And it took me years to even tell my aunts. It took me 25, 30 years. I think I was 35 the first time I told my aunts what happened because they asked me, why were you so angry as a child? You were always angry. And I told them and they still didn't believe me. Even as an adult, me telling them. Now imagine had I told them that as a child. If you don't believe me as an adult, how are you going to believe a child? So, again, you ask me what my intention is. Hopefully, if it doesn't help someone with their this story doesn't help someone with their personal trauma, it'll help them to recognize some of the signs of a child being abused. Now, that's the first time. After that. My cousins, my older cousins, they all tried me. Um, 13 years old, they held me down. Um, 14 years old, I was raped by the apartment manager at an apartment complex. My dad sent me off because I was getting into so much trouble. He sent me off to live with his girlfriend. And I took the kids swimming. The kids went back home. The apartment manager grabbed me, raped me. I ended up pregnant. No one in my family knows that. I ended up pregnant. And luckily, one of the little boys in the neighborhood of the the kids that I was babysitting saw what was happening as he passed by. And he just started screaming, help, help. And the the guy left. And police came. And I I didn't know what to do. I'm 14 years old. I didn't know what to do. I didn't know what to say. So they kept asking me, how old are you? And I kept saying, 17, because I didn't want to get... My my dad in trouble. I didn't want to get his girlfriend in trouble for me being there alone with the kids. And so they kept asking me questions, and they I know that they knew, now I know, because they asked me, they kept asking me, did he penetrate you? And I had no idea what that meant. Like, because I wasn't, I hadn't been taught about sexual education. So I didn't understand what the word penetrate mean meant. And so Court date came. My dad didn't really speak to me then. He's he kind of he went cold um, because they were under the impression that I was being fast, what they call fast. And so court date came, and my dad took me to court, and I'll never forget it. They had already structured me to say because it turns out that the apartment manager that raped me was the boyfriend of the of my dad's girlfriend's best friend. They were all, like, together. They knew each other. And so in order to keep him out of prison, they were like, you need to tell them that he just touched you. So that's the story I told. That day after court, uh, he got a year in, in, um, in jail. That day after court, like, as soon as we left, my dad took me. He had already packed my stuff, and I didn't realize it. Dropped me off at my aunt's house and left. And on that day, like I, I got, I was so angry because I was like, I, I tried to tell y'all what happened, and y'all got mad at me and made me lie, and now you drop me off, you abandon me, you, you leave me, and. I gave my aunts hell, and and I apologized to them to this day. When I tell you I gave them hell, I gave them pure hell. Every day I was fighting anything they told me. But I didn't want to hear nothing that they had to say. I didn't want any men around me. Don't touch me. I don't want y'all even near me at all. And then it went. I just flipped. Um, when I found out that I was pregnant, I I like I got so depressed. I was having night terrors on a regular. I wasn't sleep, I didn't sleep for six months. And then they finally took me, um, I before they took me to see someone, I begged my friend's mom to take me to have an abortion. And she took me in and pretended I was her daughter. And I can still remember, I can hear the, because back then it, it's it was different. They had this hose, like a vacuum and they, you can hear the bones crunching. It's a Horrible fucking experience. And for a 14 year old to have to go through that alone as and not have any family members around and have them just basically abandon you, that for am I allowed to curse? I don't know. Yes, you are. (laughs) This is my show. Fucked up feeling. It is a fucked up thing to do to a child. And after that I flipped. I became just, I'm trying to get anybody's attention, trying to find someone to love me because I felt extremely unloved. Here I am just out here in the world. Every chance I get somebody's abandoning me with someone else, they're calling me off on someone else. At this point in time, I had lived with every single member of my family. And the only thing they knew to do was to try to take me to a psychiatrist and she tried to give me some drugs and i i i just it didn't i i wasn't taking that i was like i'm not taking these meds i don't i don't need to talk to anybody cuz i at that point i had shut everybody out i was like I, I, y'all aren't for me and i don't want to be bothered with y'all and i just i got cold i just completely just cut everyone off my walls went up i didn't want to be bothered with anyone and For, like I said, for six months, I had night terrors. I was grinding my teeth at night. I couldn't, I never knew when I was falling asleep in the middle of class. My grades went down. I used to be a straight A student. My grades went in the tank. I was fighting every chance I could get. I wasn't, I would try to stay away from home. I started working like immediately at 14. I begged my mom to take uh, my my friend's mom, take me to work. I want to work with you. I I just want to get the hell away from this environment and it's not that my aunts were horrible women they were great they just neither one of them had children so they didn't know how to deal with me they didn't know how to deal with everything that i was going through because they didn't even know everything that i was going through like i said in 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 families especially black families the subject of molestation and rape is taboo they don't want to talk about that hell no that didn't happen and if it did happen, it's because of something you did. What did you do? It was always that instance of what did you do to have that to, have, to, desert, to make that happen? There's something. What were you wearing? What did you say? Were you, were you dancing around? What were you doing? And it, it made me so angry. And I, I stayed angry for years. For decades, I stayed angry. Up until about maybe five years ago. Um, I started dating this guy and, and and he let me just get it all out. Um, but before then, like I said, I, I was angry all through college. I was angry and I ended up dating people that I had no business dating because they showed me pretend love. I didn't know what love was for the longest time because I hadn't been loved properly by my family. I hadn't been loved properly by my my dad. He abandoned me every chance he could and every man that came around me found a way to take from me and so i didn't i had a skewed perception of what love was and so the first guy that i ended up being engaged to he used to beat the shit out of me on a regular he got it to the point where i wasn't allowed to talk to anyone um the. I wasn't allowed to have any male friends, female friends. He had to okay them. He treated me like a Barbie doll. He dressed me up the way he wanted to, took me to where I needed to get my hair done, all that stuff. And the first time he got me pregnant, he got me pregnant twice. The first time I was 19 years old and I was like, okay, you know, we're engaged. It'll be fine. He dropped me off at the abortion clinic with $400 and said, I'll be back what do you do? What do I do? I was like, well, maybe I'm not ready. Maybe we're not ready. I had the abortion because I thought it was the right thing to do. Um, The second time he got me pregnant, he beat the shit out of me so bad that I had a miscarriage. And that went on for years, for about three years. Um, And then one day, and I, I was going to class. I started drinking in class. I would take a slushy cup, fill it with vodka, half slushy, half vodka, and I'd be drunk in class. I'd drink all day long and I failed out of college. I, I ruined the fucking scholarship, failed out of college. I was lost in the world. Like I, and, and I was still angry, thinking, what the hell did I do? I'm, there's had to be something that I did to deserve this. Like, what did I do? I was still under that mentality that it had to be something that you did, it had to be something that you did to make these people treat you this way. And so one day, the the final straw for me um, with my fiance then, um, we were getting the patio redone, and I was online and returning an email from another of uh, one of my friends who was a student in in the class with me. And he looked and saw the email and saw a guy's name and started choking me out underneath the window. I could hear the patio workers outside, but they couldn't hear what was going on inside. And he choked me out to where I blacked out. And all I kept thinking was, he's going to kill me and he's going to bury me in these fucking woods. And no one's going to find me because he had already alienated me from my entire family. My friends, I had one friend that knew where, where he lived. That's it. And she wasn't allowed to come around. And I kept thinking, he's going to fucking kill me. And so when I came to, he was sitting in the chair and he was like, you got to stop having these guys looking at you like this. Mm -hmm. And I just, I said, okay, I'm sorry. And I apologized and I kept apologizing. And when he left, I packed everything I could in my little car and I left. It was so bad to the point where I left. I, I just left college and everything. I left my I didn't tell my family any anybody where I was going, and I went to go find my mom in Tennessee. Me and my mother are estranged. Um, a lot of people don't know this. There's a reason behind that, which I can't say now because I haven't really talked to my my entire family about it. But um I went to go find her. I left in the middle of the night. And they were looking for me on. they had put up, they went to the police and said that, you know, she's missing. Where is she at? And I left for about a year straight, didn't tell anybody where I was. And I asked my mother not to tell anybody where I was. Don't don't say anything. None of my family, no one knew where I was. I was in Nashville, Tennessee. Um, and then I, I left from that and some things happened in Tennessee that I, didn't, I don't really want to share here, but um, it didn't work out. And I came back to Texas and I met my husband now, uh, well, my ex-husband. Um, and it was the same pattern because it's what I, you know, I I'd, I'd come accustomed to. He was also beating the hell out of me. I was five months pregnant the first time he punched me in my face in a car, in a moving car. we were going down the highway. Punched me in the face. I was like, what? Like what? What the hell? And he dragged me out. The, pulled me over. Dragged me out of the car and beat the hell out of me. Five months pregnant. And then, um. Like eight months, I had a cyst, a, a uter, what do you call it? A uterus cyst. I had a cyst the size of a softball um, and it bust <laughs> and it hurt. Like hell, I didn't know what was happening. I thought that I was losing the baby. So I called him. I was like, I need you to come home. At this point, he wasn't coming home at all. Like we, we lived in a horrible situation. I should have never married him. I married him because I was pregnant but he left me on the floor. He came home and he stood looking over me as though I was trash. Like he hated me and I could feel like he hated me. And I was like, this is probably not where I need to be. Left me on the ground and left. I ended up having to call one of my friends to take me to the hospital. Everything was fine, but then my water broke not too long, too, not too long later and I ended up having my son. He was healthy, Love the kid. He is my savior and I'm so blessed to have these kids but I had to stay in that relationship that that abusive relationship for three years where he beat the hell out of me in front of my kids um, and it continued until after I got um, onto my career um, my final straw with him and the day that I said that I will never ever allow another man to abuse me was the day that I came home from the station. At that point, once I first got my first paycheck, I took it and I took my kids and we left. I went and stayed in a one little bedroom apartment. We all slept in the same bed. I was eating a peanut butter and jelly sandwich and ramen noodles to make sure I paid the rent, make sure they had diapers and all that stuff. I was starving myself to make sure that they were okay so that we they didn't have to see me get beat by him again um but my final straw was i was coming home at this point we had had an agreement that when i go to the station for 24 hours he would keep the boys while i'm at the station and when i get off work i'd keep them for 48 hours and i'd take care of daycare while they're with him so that he could still work well i got i got to the to his shop um and I was supposed to be taking them to a doctor's appointment and I kept calling him and I was like, okay, where are you at? You're not here, okay, I'll just wait on you. So in that time, I was like, okay, this is your chance to just find them just in this. So I called my divorce, a divorce attorney, and we were talking and he pulls up at 10 o'clock. He was supposed to be there at eight o'clock. He pulls up and he gets out the truck and he's like, well, don't say nothing, blah, blah, blah. Said, okay, fine, you know, whatever, this is why we have to get a divorce. And the moment those words came out of my mouth, my my oldest son was standing next to me and my youngest was in my arms. I had just got him from his dad when I said that. He punched me in my mouth so hard, my tooth cracked. And I still had Gianni. Well, you know, know his name now. I still had Gianni in my arms. And I... Tucked the blow because I'd been working out at this point. So I was pretty fit. And I tucked the blow and I was like, what in the world? And he just started wailing on me with my son. My son was two years old in my arms. And so my little E was standing there and he was screaming. And so I tucked and rolled. I grabbed my, my arms and I rolled on the ground and I just curled my body around him. My ex-husband started kicking the shit out of me all in my back. And I, I, all I remember was just don't, don't let him kick the baby. Don't let him kick the baby. And so I just lost it. I snapped at that part. I rolled my, my son away and I got up and we just went blow to blow. I, I, I couldn't take it anymore. We fought like two fools in the strike, just straight blow to blow. And finally he backed up and I was like, enough, enough. And I, Grabbed my kids, scooped them up, got in the car, and I tried my best to calm them down. I was like, there's no way they should keep seeing that this shit has got to stop. I've got to put an end to it. Well, turns out he goes to the police station, and guess who they arrest? Me, because he went to the police first. Even though they had a history of phone calls, of them coming out to the house, they have a history. They've seen a history of domestic violence. With me calling for him, but they arrest me because he called first. It's still instilling in my head over and over, what did you do to deserve what you're getting? And this is, I'm grown at this point. I'm 30 something years old and I'm still getting this message from men everywhere around me, from people everywhere around me. You did something. What did you do? You did something wrong. And at that moment, it, it, it clicked. I was like, it's got to be something that I'm doing. What do I do to get myself out of this situation? And I left. I said, I'm done. On that day, I was like, I'm done. I am going to change who I allow into my personal space. And I think that because of all of that stuff that I've dealt with, and, and from that day, I've never had another man put his hands on me. I have never had another, and, and, and I mean physically and also sexually, unwanted. I've never had that issue again because I put up boundaries and I've surrounded myself with a village of people who show me nothing but love. All the people who were negative, and who didn't have my best interest, I pushed them out. I moved on and in a way it was something that i was doing i was being desperate i was being desperate for love and attention because i was not taught what real love is and 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 i mean platonic love and i mean love from family and certainly not romantic love i had never been taught that i had to learn by all the negative things that had happened to me in my life by using that and saying that's not love, so this must be. And I've had, after that, I have had a great relationship. Didn't work out because we were going in two separate directions, but it was nothing like my previous relationships in my life. Um, The negative side to that, to all of that, as far as my kids are concerned, is I think that I may have been overprotective. I talked to them about Um, I'm not as open because, you know, my upbringing about sex and, you know, what happens. But I do, I have, I started asking them when they were younger, did someone touch you? Has someone touched your privates? And it's sad that I have to, for me, it's sad that I have to ask that specific question. But because of what I had been through, it scares me. And it always scared me when, when I let them go with their dad and he would let them stay with other people. It's like, I don't know. And I don't know what they're doing to my kids. And I had to make myself stop freaking out and stop over worrying and just pray as much as I can that God would keep them safe. And on my end, ask them before I about asking them, did someone touch you inappropriately? Did someone touch you in a way that you didn't like? Did you make you feel uncomfortable? And the answer is always no. I don't know. I, I hope it has never happened to them. But I don't know, but I wanted to break that cycle of having that subject be taboo, where they're too scared to come and tell me if someone has touched them negatively. So that's my story on a shortened version, because I didn't know how long we were going to talk, so I tried to compact it as much as possible. But that's my story. That's the first part of my story.
0: Oh, my God. I mean, I'm sitting here listening. And every time you said there was something else to add to this story, I'm going, oh, my gosh, this poor woman. And it's so and, and, you know, I was so connected to your story and the parallels that you and I share. And here I didn't know that you had went through any of this stuff because I remember you, you learned know, to hide it. Yeah. You learn to hide it. You put a mask on. Yeah. And, you know, you and I, we met on Facebook through our group of friends. And, you know, I remember the first time that you had posted about that you were going to go up, um, you were going to take the test to become lieutenant. And I was like, this is a woman who is determined to do whatever the frick she wants to do in her life. And, and I always admired you how you were always so well put together. And and we've had some fun on Facebook. And, you know, <laughs> that whole dub smack thing that came up today. I'm like, Oh, my God, we were some damn idiots. But we had That's so part of much fun. therapy, though. Yeah, I agree. And, and it's like, and here, I'm like, she's got it all. She's got it going on. She's got it all together. And that just goes to show you that you know, you should never judge a book by its cover because everybody has a story. And some people's stories are a bit more tragic than others. And it's only when you get behind, get beyond the threshold of like the fake friends and you become like a real friend that you get, you're like, wow. Because I'm sitting here listening to your story and I'm just like, oh my God, That, that was me. And I think it's so important to have... Victims speak out about their stories and speak however the way you want to speak, because this is why we need to believe victims. Think about all the victims that have come forward. And what about the victims that haven't, that can't, that won't because they're scared. I mean, my mom and my sister were victims. They'll never be able to speak their own truths because they're both dead. And so it's so important that anytime a woman or even a man for that matter comes forth and say, this is what happened to me because, you know, now we're starting to see a pattern with um, like the way we are, especially when you're kids like the rebellion, you know, I didn't have a conversation when I was growing up about sex either. So when all these things were happening to me, I'm like, I guess these are supposed to happen because this is what happened to my sister. This is normal. And you're right. We need to talk about the fact that the black family dynamic from our generation, that shit has got to stop. Yeah. Think about how many victims that are out there that haven't even gotten to the point that they're even dealing with it. And, And it was, I mean, my, my family was no exception. They actually, my mother saw my sister's father molesting her. And the only thing she could do was scream and yell and they kicked him out of the house, but they didn't seek treatment for us. We didn't get therapy. The police were never involved. They banished this guy from the household for a couple of years and only for him to resurface years later. And they welcome him back into the family. Like nothing ever happened. And I'm just like, are you kidding me? And sadly, this is the dynamic that is not, just your dynamic. That's not just my dynamic. This is the dynamic of a lot of women that are walking, women and men for that matter, that are walking around traumatized. And
1: you said something key that they allowed him to come back and nothing ever happened. After I told my aunts what happened, they still love him. He's still the golden child. And I look at them and it's, it's, we have a strange relationship. I try not to go around them anymore because it, I don't trust them. I don't trust you with my heart. Honestly, if I don't trust you with my heart, I definitely don't trust you around my kids because if something happened to my kids like that and you're treated, you're treated as though it never happened, that's a problem for me. And to the well, you know, life, karma came back around and there's nothing that I can do to him that God has not already taken care of. But for my family to ignore it as though it never happened and no one ever said anything else about it.
0: Yeah, that's nothing. the crazy part. Because think about the ones that, you know, like I said, again, I, I can't tell you how many women that I've talked to, especially black women that I've talked to, that are in my relationship. Sorry, my husband's yelling in the background. Um, But yeah, I can't tell you how many black women that I've talked to and their stories are so similar. It's like, did you pull that out of my head? Were you, did you listen to my story and take cues from me? But that was their story, the same exact parallels. And it's like, we have to change that dynamic because it's bad enough that black people don't believe, you know, there's a great deal of black people, um, that don't believe in therapy, and they're like, "I don't need to pay somebody to come and teach me how to run my life." And it's not even about that; it's about navigating life through life when things are challenging and you aren't equipped to be able to move past them. And so, um you know, I,
1: uh, whew, I just my want first go ahead. With, as far as therapy, uh, like I said, about five years ago was the first time that I had spoken. I had really talked to someone about everything. And he suggested I go seek therapy. And I took the step. I made the appointment, got everything taken care of. And the day that I was supposed to show up, she never answered the phone. And so for me, I was like, well, maybe this is how it's supposed to be. I'm not supposed to go. So I never took that step again. And I was already nervous about it because I was like, I don't know this woman. I don't trust her. Like this is some stranger. She might go off and tell everybody that I'm crazy or something like it or mess me up in the head and have me thinking something else or I didn't know what to expect because I had never, the only time that I'd gone to a therapist was when I was 14 and they forced me to go and I didn't talk. I was like, I'm not going in here and talking to, who is this person? (laughs) So for me, like no one in my family that I know of has gone to seek therapy except for me and I didn't seek it. They sent me there. And I felt like they were sending me to like an insane society That's what I thought because that's what I'd seen in the movies. When you go see a therapist, it's because you're crazy. Now I know that's different, but because of my job, I don't have the time. Um, so my friends, my friend and my aunt are my sounding board. They're my version of therapy, and I know they're not professional, but it's the best that I can do for right now. In the future, I will go and see professional help. I need someone to talk to outside of my family that will be able to help me deal with some things because I don't have night terrors like I used to anymore. Thank God. But it does happen. I do get, some things trigger me. I have moments that trigger me. In certain movies, when I see things happen, it triggers me and it I kind of lose it. And I feel crazy at the time. I know I'm not crazy, but I feel crazy because it, It brings all of that stuff rushing back at one time. And then I go through my phases of where I'm having night terrors again and I can't sleep and I'm drinking. Stuff like that. And I I need someone to help me to stop that cycle. I wear a mask. Like you said, no one would ever think that anything like that happened to me because I I laugh and I joke because I want to be happy. I seek I, I I have to find things that bring me joy and happiness, which is why you see me posting the silly stuff and doing the videos and stuff because that helps me to forget about all the bullshit that I've had to deal with in my life. So you, you, you really touched on something as far as the, the taboo-ness of therapy and Black families because it is.
0: And it's a shame that... Even now, it's still a taboo. And, you know, I, I to me, you know, it's like we really one of the reasons why I, I created this podcast is because I wanted to shed more light on the importance of what good mental health looks like. And, and knowing that if you go talk to a therapist, you're not a cracked pot, contrary to what people might think. Hell, I think we all might need a therapist every now and then in our lives when things get a little chaotic. And so, and I think, you know, with everything that has, um, that has happened with COVID, you know, everybody's dealing with something emotionally in yeah. some fashion or another. And so I wanted to create this podcast to go, to go, you know what, you know, therapy looks different to every single person. And, you know, some people, it might take them years before they seek out therapy, but they have other methods of therapy that works for them. Because you and I are similar in, in that, you know, I post a lot of Funny memes and videos and stuff like that because to me that's therapy and and I'll, I I want to laugh. I want people yes. to feel comfortable around me, so I make them laugh. And I'll or I'll I'll post a, a funny saying that sometimes I have these isms and I don't know where the hell they come from. And I'm just like, where the hell did I get this from? But then I think about it, I'm like, that was funny. And so you, <laughs> you and I, we, I mean, that's I think that's one of the reasons why we we bonded so easily. Yeah. With our group of friends and the whole dub smash and, you know, we tried to do the TikTok, and what we, but those videos that we posted from years ago, we keep reposting them because it's like, Oh my God, that was, man, those were some funny times. And so, you know, I appreciate the fact that, you know, yes, you recognize the fact that at some point you'll have to seek out professional therapy, but right now for where you are in life, you've surrounded yourself with a great support group of people and methods that can help you heal from the inside out. And, you know, when you're ready to unload that baggage as a whole, then, yeah, you'll go and you'll talk to someone professionally. But, of course, that's going to take some time because with any victim of trauma, especially sexual trauma of any sort, you know, you have a hard time trusting people, even if they're the same sex. And so, Definitely. And so, you know, you have to build that trust up and in and, and many ways they have to earn that trust as 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 life should be. Every single person that comes into your life should have earned your trust. They shouldn't just get it just because of who they are, whether
1: they're family members or not. I think that's a big part of why I choose to be single. I'm I'm dating someone, but I I have a hard time allowing anybody to get really close, because how do you tell someone that's interested in you all of this stuff that I've just told you today and expect them to just accept that, especially if they see me in one of my vulnerable moments where I've been triggered by something and I have to step back away from everyone in order to get myself back together. And I inadvertently end up pushing people away because I'm like, this is my stuff to deal with. This is my trauma to deal with it. And this is how I deal with it. I don't want you to be caught in this whirlwind that is my bullshit because of what happened to me as a kid when I was younger. And I have a really hard time allowing people to come into my life because that is a very it's a very vulnerable part of me and i, I just I, I so i need I, I really think that i'm going to end up talking to someone in order to help me to be more open um, when it comes to romantic relationships in the future
0: i think that's so important and you know and the and the short answer to your question i know you didn't ask the question because you know of course that's something that I've I've always had to deal with but once I once I started going to therapy and I started speaking my own truth and being comfortable in what that truth looks like you know I started telling everybody and anybody and for me by doing that I was able to weird out a lot I was able to weed out a lot of the weirdos and the ones that weren't so accepting because those are the kind of right. people that I really don't want in my life no, if you can't handle right. me at my absolute worst, why do you need to enjoy me at my absolute best?
1: hot dog I just posted something about that last year I think came up in my memories today
0: <laughs> and I think it's so important that whomever you bring into your life, whether it's from a a romantic perspective or from any other perspective that You know, they have to be, you know, they have to be accepting of who you are 100%. And if they can't, then it's time for them to move on. You know, like my husband, he knows all of this crazy stuff that I've been through in my life and it has not changed who he, how he loves me in one capacity or another. And he knows that I have moments that something or someone or some, whatever, can trigger me and I might go into a tailspin for a minute, you know, and he allows me that space to be able to do that just as long as I come back. And, you know, there's a couple of times I'm pretty sure my husband probably wanted to give up on me because, you know, I was just being a right asshole. Excuse my French, but I really was, but he didn't. And to me, that meant more to me than anything in the world. There is no material thing that could ever replace that for me. And so, you know, my friends, the ones the friends that are the closest to me, they know all the dark, dirty secrets. And and I told them, I said, look, if this is too much for you to handle, I get it. I mean, it's too much for anybody to handle. But just know that my past is not who I am presently. And while I still might be on this journey to healing, it doesn't mean that my relationship with you will be one of brokenness. It actually right. means that you get the best parts of me because I'm constantly working on myself to be improve. Right. And, and that's to me, that's the short answer. It's like if people can't rock with you when you're at your absolute worst, let them go. They're not worth right. your time, your effort. They're not worth anything
1: because they're not your people in the first place. Right. I ended up learning that my circle has changed over the past few years. I I got some advice from one of my coworkers and he said the same thing. He was like, you know what? I know you've heard this before, season, reason, lifetime. Your circle is going to change once you set your goals and you start achieving those goals and you see the people around you that they're they're saying that you've changed. Be okay with that. If no one around you ever changes, they stay stagnant in where they are and you continue to hang around them, you're gonna become stagnant too. And for me, I wanna grow. I don't wanna be that angry person that I used to be. I don't wanna be that untrusting person. I wanna be better than that. And I want my friends to do the same thing. Help me. If I call you and I'm having a moment, help me. Don't look at me like I'm crazy. If I tell you that I want to do this and I want to be better, don't tell me, well, why do you want to do that? Don't hold me back. Grow with me. And so I've had to change my circle because of that. And it's okay. I have a great circle around me now. I completely I agree with 100% you a hundred percent for me now. And if you're not a hundred percent for me, then I'm probably not going to be around you very much longer and no hard feelings. I still care about you. I, I wish no ill harm towards you. Is this, that you aren't good for me. You're not good for my spirit.
0: Absolutely. I mean, and trust me, I've seen so much change in my social circle um, <laughs> that it's like, I feel like in some form or another, you know, Yeah, I have my my lifers. I have my friends that are, you know, we've got a decade or more under our belt and they're always going to be there. And I don't need to talk to them every day in order to solidify that. That's just a given. But I definitely have seen my social circle have changed a lot, especially um, when I met my husband, because, you know, I I was single, so I hung out with a lot of single women. Yeah. And then, you know, the minute I met my husband and things started to look serious, you know, I could see a little shift. And I was like, OK, I guess I got to get used to this idea of the purge. And my philosophy behind the purges is, is if you aren't contributing to my life to make my life better and I'm not doing the same thing for you. We're not friends anymore. We don't need to, you know, act fake and oh, hi, no, no. If we're not contributing (laughs) to each other's better well-being, it's time for us to move on. And like you said, there's no hard feelings. I don't wish you any ill will. I wish you nothing but success in whatever endeavors that you get yourself into. I just won't be a part of those endeavors. And I'm okay with that. And so, um, you know, I just want to say thank you. Like, thank you from the bottom of my heart. I can't even describe into words. that you were so entrusted into me that you wanted to share your story. Because first off I, you blew my mind. I did not know any of this about you. And that just goes to show you perception is any and everything that one's imagination can determine. Cause I'm like, here, she's got her stuff together. She's got her crib. She's got her dog. Yes. And leave Chewy alone before I come and pick him up. <laughs> and I'm like, she's lieutenant in the fire department. She is a
1: she-ro. Seriously. I'm going to blow all my friends and my family's mind because, like I said, they don't know about this stuff. And so they're going to be like, whoa. Yeah. <laughs> they'll love you more. But I'm be- okay with that.
0: And if they I'm, don't, I'm,
1: uh- you know, it's okay, too that means that they weren't supposed to be around me in the first place. Exactly. And that's okay. And and at first, when I learned the whole, that I would have to leave some people behind, it used to hurt me. It's like, man, because I'm losing my friend. I'm going to miss her. I'm going to miss him. But then now, you know, I, I just check in on them every now and then. You're doing good? Good. All right. Take care. And, I, and my life has been so much richer since I've left all that negativity behind
0: sometimes you have to leave people where they are or as um i i've heard the, ter- the term sometimes you have to meet people where they are and oftentimes on that journey they're not coming with you and it's okay mm-hmm. to leave them where they are they'll be okay but you've got something else to do and it
1: doesn't include them and oh, thank you for letting me come out here and tell my story. I appreciate it. I just love you for, you know, and I love you too.
0: (laughs) I just love you for even feeling, you know, that I was trustworthy enough to be able to do this. I'm like the the magnitude of you sharing your story. And I've told you offline, but the magnitude of you sharing your story with people out there that right now they're dealing with the same stuff. And just being able to hear that they're not the only one on this little island that they so-called have created for themselves, that will give them so much hope for the future. And you yourself, is you're a rock star. You already know that. You don't need me to tell you that. But you're going to be even more of a rock star because you did something that a lot of victims, they just, they, they're working themselves to get to the point of just being able to, to acknowledge what happened? Because that's half the battle, right there. It's just being able to talk about it, and then what do I do after I talk about it? What's the next step? Well, you, you, the, you know, the the the, I guess the fun part about it, or not the fun part, but the good part about it is, take as much time as you need. There is no time limit on when you should move from one step to the next. You do what is most comfortable for yourself and your family and you move forward when you feel like you're ready to move forward because you know some people they always go they put people on timelines and stuff and it's like everybody deals with trauma differently and not one timetable will work for the next person so you have to let people take that that journey however way they need to take it and take it as slowly or as fast as they want to because it's their journey it's not your journey it's not somebody else's journey It's their journey. So that looks different to everybody. So, I mean, I just want to thank you from the bottom of my heart that you came here and shared your story. I love you even more because we are soul sisters. We are in this battle together and we're going to do this. We're going to reach so many other women just by telling our stories and just the, the success of what that looks like. Because When you're going through trauma, you don't realize that there's another side of it called success because you're in the middle of it. And you're like, this is never going to end. My fate has already been sealed and I just have to get used to it. But there is another side. And so I just want to tell you that you coming here, sharing your story is going to help so many people. The people in your life, they will probably surround you with more love because you've allowed yourself to be so vulnerable and raw and exposed. I mean, and that's, that's hard for people to, you know, put it as my relative used to say, you're putting your dirty laundry out there, but it's not really your dirty laundry. You're just speaking your truth. Right. And if they don't, if they're not willing to accept what happened to you and allow you to continue your healing journey, then, you know, they're not supposed to be a part of that journey.
1: Ten years ago, we would not be having this conversation, but now I'm a different person than I was then. Um, I, I accept what happened. I don't like what happened to me, but I accept it because it made me who I am now. I'm strong as hell. I've accepted that part of me. I am strong as hell now because of everything that I've been through. I hate that I had to grow strong that way, but it's a part of who I am. And like you said, I, I do hope that this helps someone out in the future hopefully they'll be brave enough to take that step and go and talk to someone I think
0: they will because you know I remember when I first started sharing my story on Facebook and you know especially back around the the, uh, times of the Me Too movement and that was when I it was like okay I got to address this pink elephant in the room and you know everybody thinks I have this glamorous life and I'm like if you even knew half the battle I went to went through to get to where I am you would sit the fuck down Period. Right. And so then I really started being comfortable and sharing my story. And, you know, I remember people that I grew up with and people that I know personally were like, because you shared your story, you know, I feel the need to say this, this. And I'm just like, are you kidding me? And, you know, it's it's interesting that, you know, most of the like the friends that I've made recently, I'd say probably in the last like five or six years, I'd say half the women that I've befriended and have developed close ties with, they are fellow trauma survivors, whether it be domestic or sexual or, um, emotional, whatever. I mean, we've bonded in ways that I can't even imagine. And I will say that the majority of the, the gals that, that I have bonded with in this fashion, they've all been sexual, you know, survivors
1: I know, I, I don't know if you recall, there was one post that was circulating around, um, and it basically said, this is what happened to me, it's, and it was a shortened version of both of our stories, and it was during that Me Too movement time, and I think that's when I first learned about your story, a little a snippet of what you had been through, because I, I, you had shared it, and I think I shared it from you, and when I shared it on my page, it, it blew my mind to see how many of my friends and on my Facebook page had gone through the same thing. Right. And it's like, whoa, why is this normal? This should not be normal. I, ac-
0: it- I completely agree with you. But sadly... You know, we live in a society.
1: It shouldn't be that common. It
0: shouldn't be that common. But sadly, you know, we live in a society in many ways that, you know, sex sells everything. I know. And then you hear about all these cases of women and men that are walking around abused and traumatized and and nobody's doing anything about it. It's almost like, okay, a lot of them
1: go on to do the same thing to others. Absolutely. That's what they think is the norm.
0: Yeah, because you know, let's just let's just call it what it is. Hurt people hurt people. Definitely. And, you know, when you're a, a sexual trauma survivor, you you hurt the shit out of people because you've been hurt. And it's not intentional. It's just that's all if that's all you've been taught, that's all you know. And so, you know, thank you so much. I didn't even realize that when I had posted these posts that I didn't realize anybody was listening funny. I was just posting it more or less just to get them out of my head. And so the fact that I realized that my stories and my truths was actually affecting more people than I thought in some capacity where it, it jogged their memories about their own trauma. I mean, you know, I often said that I don't want to change a group of people or a sex of people by sharing my story. If I can affect the future of just one person and that one person goes on to affect the future of another person and the cycle continues, we can start to heal a lot of these traumatized adults that are walking around so that we can make sure that we're not traumatizing the future generations. Breaking that cycle. You have to break the cycle. Um, So again, I can't thank you enough for coming here on my stage and just speaking your truth, because it's important that we realize that there's so many more people out there that's hurting. And we're just, we all just want to be loved. We want to feel like we belong somewhere. We want to feel like that, you know, somebody cares and it doesn't have to be grandiose or anything. We just want the basic things that were taken from us, As children, safety, safety, security, comfort, love. I mean, how easy is that? And yet these are some of the hardest things to obtain from other humans, especially if they don't understand the story or understand what that looks like. And so um, I hope that you coming on my stage today, I hope that it helps you to heal even more. I hope that it allows you to continue to stand firm in your truths because again, your, your past didn't dictate your future. Then I can already see that. Um, and so I I just, you're, you're a Shiro. You are more so than I even expected you to be my friend. And you already know that if you ever need me and, you could call me at two o'clock in the damn morning if you have to, if you're having a moment, but I want you to feel like that you always have that safe place that you can go to. You can cry, scream, shell. You can shout expletives, whatever. So that you yourself can, t- can continue that healing process because oh, it's definitely. so
1: important. You're and- part of my safe space.
0: Yeah. I just, I just love you. I mean, you know, you know, we're bonded for life. Now, my Filipino sister, you know, (laughs) you can't get rid of me now. You don't, you got yourself a a seat on the lifeboat. So just know that. (laughs) And, you know, I hope someday, I'm not going to hope someday, because I'm just going to say it right here. We will get together someday. And I'm going to give you like the biggest hug around your neck. And that is going to Solidify and bond us even more, because I'm already bonded with you, heart to heart.
1: I'm mad that I missed you when I went to Chicago. I didn't realize you were that close.
0: I know when you told me that, I'm like,
1: I didn't,
0: she I had didn't had no even bother to call me. I mean, damn, <laughs> I, I didn't, I, did. I didn't get some smoke signals. I didn't get nothing.
1: But it, you oh, didn't, man. you didn't realize I was, it. But I was in a bad headspace anyway, it wasn't a good time for me to go.
0: Yeah, I, I know, was in a
1: really bad space. But that's
0: all right, because we there's we always have the future. So, and and furthermore, I'm a selfish friend. When you come to visit me, I want you to spend your time hanging out with me and and I can show you around (laughs) some fun places and we can do all kinds of stuff. So I'm privy to having my own fee and Gigi time. So that's okay. We got, we got that covered. Okay. But I just wanted to say, I love you from the bottom of my heart. I am sending you like the biggest virtual hug you can ever imagine because, you know, that just again, I can't say this enough. just that just goes to show. Never judge a book by its cover. And I'm glad that you felt comfortable enough to come here and speak with me. And I mean, as that song goes, I'm on the way up. It's we can only go up from here, honey.
1: Oh, definitely.
0: And just think I about know. the the number of men and women that, that will listen to this podcast and go, man, okay. They're giving me the encouragement to just just hang in there. It's going to be all right. And just know you can't share your story with everybody because not everybody's going to be rocking with you. You got to be selective and choose who is going to be in your corner and who's not going to take your pain and try to use it against you. Because we all know that we've had people that come into our lives that they'll take our tragedy and and use it against us to make us feel even worse.
1: Definitely.
0: Yeah. So that's. That's the most important thing. So um, I'm going to close out this uh, this segment with saying that, you know, in life, we meet people and oftentimes we don't necessarily know what the, the if there's an ulterior motive or what what is the reasoning behind the reason why they're in our lives. And I remember when I met you and our whole group of friends and I'm like, you know, I always question why people come into my life, and so I'm like, why? You know, why did these guys come into my life? I mean, we've never met each other, but they're there, and I'm good with that. And so now I'm realizing, years later, the reason why you guys were brought into my life, and specifically the reason why you and I have stayed connected all this time, is because we shared a story that you know. There's while there are, are lots of similarities. There are differences, but we share a bond that, you know, we didn't expect to have and nor did we want to have it. Unfortunately, it was just the the cards that were dealt to us at that time. And I'm so glad that we met. I'm so glad that you and I are, we're bonded. We're sisters. And I think, you know, that's what, you know, victims that are listening right now, they need to feel like, That they've got a tribe out there that's going to look after them and we can band together and between your skills and your your skills as a firefighter. And I can't even imagine the training you had to go through to get to where you are. And my martial arts skills, dude, (laughs) we can mess some people up. Not that we ever need to do that. I'll put that disclaimer out there, but.
1: I have left that part of my past behind. Ciao. I mean, I
0: still every now and then when my friends are going through some things, I'll go, do you need me to pack the kit? (laughs) And people are like, what do you mean? It's like, it's an inside joke. Only my friends know what that means. So (laughs) unless you're a real close friend, you won't understand that and just let it go. But I want this. I want my survivors out there, my thrivers, my warriors that are listening out there to know that you are stronger than you even can think that you are. And when you've got women like me and Gigi on your team, you are invincible. Stand in your truth. Say whatever it is you need to say, say it loud. So everybody in the jungle can hear and they wake the fuck up because we need to understand that this is not something that needs to be taken lightly. We've got a lot of trauma victims out there that are hurting. We have people out there that they hurt other people because this is all they know. And we need to, more importantly, we need to listen to our victims. My name is Fee. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of The Healing Place. I hope you take something from it that inspires you to continue to move forward and just know it is your truth. And your truth only, and only you can tell your story. Thank you again for listening. I hope you have a great rest of your day. Take care. Wow. You're, oh my God.
1: Ciao. Not even the full story. I haven't, you know, I wasn't ready to, to say that. Yeah. I don't know who my family is.
0: Yeah, I get it.